the magician. Like I would say, all right, you need followers. You need, like, what is it that you need? Yeah, I want attention. Okay, so why don't you do this? Why don't you pretend to be paparazzi? Go to Los Angeles. Go to like uh, the ranch, the restaurant where all these big TikTokers hang out. Charlie D'Amelio, all these people hang out there, right? Pretend you're paparazzi and do some sleight of hand shit on the video. And then all of us, and Charlie D'Amelio is going to freak out. Take that video, put that on TikTok, put that everywhere else. I bet you'll make a lot of money. If you listen to this podcast and find anything at all valuable, make sure you take a screenshot and tag me on Instagram at Billy Garton Jr. so I can see it and repost that to my story. Also, if you have any questions or inquiries about what you want me to speak about on this podcast, I want to know. Message me at Billy Garton Jr. and I'll be sure to get back. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Inspiring Young Aspirers podcast. Welcome to the Inspiring Young Aspirers podcast. I'm your host, Billy Garton Jr., a 21-year-old entrepreneur and professional athlete. On this podcast, we'll be interviewing some of the most successful world leaders in their space in both business and sport. People who've amassed success, wealth, abundance, and most importantly, happiness, often after fighting incredible adversity. The hope is that through this podcast, we're not just going to inspire you or motivate you, but rather through the tips and hints that my guests share, spur you into action. If you're young and motivated, join me on this journey as we ignite the passion through some of the world's most inspiring stories. You know, when you wake up every day knowing exactly what you're striving for, nothing can stop you. Starting out my podcast, it was fundamental to me that I make it as professional as possible. And I could not do that without the help of podcast backdrops. Make sure you check out podcast backdrops on Instagram and put in the code BillyGarten to receive a special discount. Now let's dive into the episode. What is going on, everybody? Extremely excited about this episode today. We have Blake Wynn. Blake is a 20-year-old founder and the CEO at multi-million dollar sports marketing agency, B-Win Sports which serves as an intermediary between professional athletes and brands. It's all about getting athlete sponsorships, endorsements, appearances, and social media-related content. He's also a brand ambassador for the Los Angeles Chargers. He owns one of the most successful Shopify stores out there currently. He's also the nephew of former casino magnate and the CEO of Wynn Resorts, Steve Wynn. He's been involved in many ventures in his 20 years of life. And that in itself is fascinating enough to me. What he's created at 20 years old is everything this podcast is about, is everything this podcast speaks to, and he's here to inspire. So, Blake, thank you so much for coming on. We're really excited to have you. Yeah, thank you for having me. What an introduction. (laughs) I already have a lot to live up to in this this podcast. That'll be a lot of fun. Well, we're going to have a great chat. So, Blake, take me back a little bit to where it all started for you. I like to to dig deep into the history and mindset of of some of my guests. So, So, take me back to where it started. Sure. So I guess, you know, I mean, as, as a young, young kid, I did the car wash thing. You know, I did the lemonade stand thing. I did all those little, you know, garage sales of my parents' stuff. You know what I mean? <laughs> you do those different things just to kind of hustle. Um, but I would say my business journey kind of really, really started in, in 2011. Um, I was living in Park City, Utah at the time over the summer. 
and I walked into an outlet mall and I saw this Adidas store. I just happened to go into it. I didn't think anything of it. I was an 11 year old kid and I rode there on my bike, whatever. And I see these, these, this like display of shoes set up and they're normally $199 and it says today only $19.99. And for whatever reason, I thought to myself, you know, you could probably make money on this, right? Like, why is it marked down $180? Like, yeah. it's got to be worth more than $20. Like, I've never heard of sneakers for $20 before unless yeah. you're talking about, like, like sandals, right? So, yeah. At the time, I had actually been doing car washes, and so I had, like, $50 in my wallet, and I was like, all right. So I bought two pairs. It came, like, $44 with tax. Right. Told my parents about it. They were like, how are you going to sell this? Without them knowing, logged into their eBay, I listed them on the eBay, sold them the next day. I said, Mom, I sold them. She said, how did you sell them? I said, on your eBay. She said, use my eBay. Like, what about the feedback and this and this? I said, no, they're already shipped. She's like, how did you ship them? I said, well, boxed them up, took them on my bicycle to the post office. They're gone. She said, well, what did you sell them for? I said, $109 each. So I was only 11 years old, but you know, I made $80 a pair. And that, that I kind of got hooked on it. I wasn't into sneakers, but I was like, so you could just buy something somewhere and yeah. resell it on eBay for more than what you paid for it. Yeah, that's a pretty... <laughs> pretty wild concept to be able to exist because keep in mind at the time you know instagram started in what 2010 if i'm not mistaken yeah so you couldn't really sell through instagram like you can now you, yeah. there was you know you don't sell through social media so it was really just ebay so i got really hooked on that and then little by little i started getting really into sneakers yeah. so ended up you know a top rated seller on ebay uh within a year Paid my first tax return when I was 12 years oh. old. Uh, ended up doing that until 2016 when I started the YouTube channel, and that's when things really kind of kind of took off yeah, for took me. Off. So when you started doing this, what were you, what was going through your parents' head in regards to school and these other ventures? What were they thinking? So as far as school went, I, I think maybe a little bit of concern, but not too much concern. You know, at the time I was in middle school, yeah. and my mom would always tell me, "Look, your grades in high school really matter because then that you use that for college and everything else." She's like your middle school grades don't really matter because I went through, I was in a school that was pre-K through 12. So I already knew where I was going to go to high school. I didn't have to apply anything. She's like, you better not fail out and you better be ready to get A's when you get to high school. But in the meantime, I know you're a smart kid. You're trying these other things. I'm going to be okay with it. So I was on academic probation in middle school. I had a 1.9 GPA, the classic Gary V, you know, line of just, ah, you know, I hate school, whatever. But um, by the time I got to high school, you know, I graduated with high honors. I was always good at school. I was able to kind of juggle those things. And, um, and, and so they, they were pretty much supportive. I mean, really, the biggest concern for my parents came when I started the YouTube, for sure. So talk about that then. What was that concern? Why did that arise? How did that all start? So I didn't tell anyone when I started YouTube. You know, I, the school I went to, there was 50 kids per grade. Right. Pre, same 50 kids pre-K through 12, like 56 was my graduating class. And so everyone's like siblings. You know, I, I had a girlfriend that I was with at the time. We'd been together for about two years. We ended up being together for about four years. I didn't tell her, didn't tell my best friends, didn't tell my teammates on the football team, didn't tell anyone because I didn't want to get made fun of and then get discouraged because it was because, oh, why are you doing YouTube? Like, it's weird. You don't do that kind of thing coming from, you know, the, the yeah, yeah. The, the society, if you will, that is, you know, like small suburban Las Vegas, right? right. Um, so I started it and the first person found out when I had like 1,200 subscribers. First person I knew is my mom. Right. Reads the comments on my on the videos. She's like, this got recommended for me on YouTube. What the hell is this, right? Um, and or do, you, do you care if I cuss on the show? Go for it. Well, so there, I mean, there were so many comments like "fuck this kid" and all you know, not positive comments. I didn't really have an audience at the time. I'd only been doing it for about twenty days. Yeah, and uh, I had twelve hundred subscribers, but 
you know, 100 to 300 views a video, like not a lot of traction. I don't even honestly know how I got those subscribers. Right. And uh, she was like, you're done. I'm shutting it down. Like, you can't get comments like this. Like, there were, you know, death threat comments. But yeah. I'm like, you don't understand. Like, these aren't really threats. These aren't really hate comments. They just don't know me. And I'm a 16-year-old kid with really bad acne trying to talk about sneakers on the internet. Like, this will go away. Give me two months. She, you know, no, no, no. Give me two months. It'll go away. Two months later, I had like 20,000 subscribers. I did meet and greets. It, it, it totally transformed. And I, you know, I told her, I said, the biggest reason I'm getting hate now, none of this hate is really personal. This hate, you can tell, is very vague. Like, oh, I'm going to rob you for your shoes. Oh, like your acne. Oh, this. People don't know me. Hopefully, once people know me, they like me. Also, if they don't like me, I'm not going to grow and I'm happy to quit at that point, too. Yeah. Like, because I, I didn't want to be an influencer. You see, I started the YouTube to market my sneaker reselling business. Right. My early YouTube videos, I was literally showing sneakers and being like, these are $600. Like, message me on Instagram if you want to buy them and I'll give you my PayPal. Like, I'm yeah. explaining, I'm trying to sell shoes through eBay. Yeah. And that didn't really work. But when I made a video showing all the shoes I had at once, it got like a million views and went viral. And that's kind of what yeah. uh, started my, my YouTube career. Yeah. Let's let's dive a little bit into these hate comments and the stuff you were putting out then because I'm fascinated by that. Most people in this world and, and I've for the past year and a half and I'm still doing it now trying to understand the mindset of most people our age, why they won't put out content to do with themselves and, and what they're doing. And, and the biggest thing I find I get on calls with young the younger generation every day and the number one thing is fear of what other people will say, fear of judgment. And so for you, I know your parents were bothered by it. Were you ever bothered by it? Did that ever get to you? What was your mindset going into that? Absolutely not. Um, and look, I, I know how serious it is, you know, and I, I think I'm very fortunate. Like I've, I've never really had, you know, for example, like mental health issues that I've had to personally battle with. I've been very, very lucky. I was raised with so much confidence by my parents and, um, you know, I've been surrounded by friends and family that have always been very, very supportive. And so for me, it was like, what a stranger behind a screen says on the internet, I don't care. Because at the flip side, what I was experiencing in real life was everyone around me being very supportive. Yeah. And then as it got bigger and bigger, more and more places I went, people would come up to me, ask for a picture and ask me questions or want an autograph even or yeah. whatever it was. I was like, there's so much positivity. Right. That whatever the negative comments say aren't actually mirroring what the actuality of what I'm doing is. Yeah. And so it never really bothered me for that reason. And by the time... You know, I keep my 45 days after starting my channel, I had 10,000 subscribers. This was all very, very quick for me. Yeah. And so um, you know, there wasn't a lot of time in between starting and getting that hate and getting to somewhere where it was really exciting for me. Yeah. Um, and I think I'm very, very grateful for that. Maybe the hate would have gotten to me more if that time had been a bit longer. Yeah. Um, but even, you know, to this day, I'm sure I get comments that are, aren't positive. I don't cool. read all the comments now at this point. Um I, I just because it got to the point where I would get you know thousands and thousands of comments per video. It, it just it wasn't worth reading. And to be honest with you, it kind of goes both ways. Like on top of not going crazy and getting all insecure and stuff about the hate comments, I also not that I didn't care, but reading a bunch of positive comments didn't do it for me either. Yeah. You know, it was like, look, I hope it's positive. I hope you're enjoying this. But to me words on a screen isn't why I'm doing this. It's for real world impact. It's for Boom. providing you with entertainment. It's for so many things beyond that. Like this isn't about me. That's also, that's honestly why I didn't really care is I didn't look at it. Like this is all about me. Like 
Yeah. This is hurting my ego. It's helping my ego. Like I didn't, you know, I didn't look at it that way. You had a goal in mind and your content model was just to reach that goal, not bothered about what people said, if I'm understanding right. and, correctly. And, correct. And, and, you know, this whole thing started, I, actually, I've never really told this story, I don't think, in a podcast, but this whole thing really started because I was taking a class called Intro to Economics, my, the end of my sophomore year in high school. Okay. And... I was very, very close with this economics teacher. He knew all about my business outside of school. He helped me with advice and things like that, which was the reselling sneakers. Yeah. And the final project, rather than taking a, you know, the two hour long final, was you had to create a business plan. That was the whole class, not just me. Yeah. And I was like, Dr. Enriquez, that was his name. I said, Dr. Enriquez, I don't want to create a business plan. I have a business. I'll, 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 can I submit that business plan? I, now I have a business plan for that one. It's 40 pages. Let me submit that. No, you got to make a business plan. Like that's the assignment. He said, what, what if you made a business that went along with your business? And so I made a YouTube business plan. That was what I came up with as a marketing strategy for this. Right. So submit it. I don't even remember what I got on the assignment, funny enough. Yeah. But um, I, my summer break started on like May 15th that year. And about five days later, I was like, I have this whole business plan. It is really comprehensive. It is really deep. And it does make a lot of sense. I'm going to try it. So six days later, I took this school assignment, and that's what started the YouTube. That's madness. It was kind of a funny story how that all came to. That's crazy. And to be, and it was funny because you know, on a business plan, you typically put like, "What is the ultimate end game?" Yeah. Right. Yeah. Like the wildest dream you can come up with. What is it? I don't know why. I remember sitting there doing the assignment, thinking to myself, "I don't know what is an end game for a social media <laughs> platform." Like, yeah. Especially because this is just supposed to be a compliment to my current business, right? Yeah. Like, what's the end game? I was like, by the time I graduate, I'd like to have a hundred thousand subscriber plaque from YouTube. I think that'd be a really cool little thing to have. And if I somehow get a hundred thousand people to follow me, like, it's probably a whole business in and of itself. Uh, which created a little bit of problem for me in a weird way because seven months later, I actually hit it, and then it was like, I had never outgrown a business plan before. <laughs> You know what I mean? Which, which, which is really challenging. Yeah. Like I remember when I hit a hundred thousand, I was like, wow, this is what I want. Like now. Yeah. What? So I didn't even post a video for like two weeks. Like, okay, now what? And I'm like, yeah, maybe I started it for that reason, but that's not really why I did it. That's not why you stay up till three in the morning. You stay up till three in the morning because of the people. And I was like, now I actually have the people. Yeah. Well, I can't leave now. That, that's, that, that's literally the point. And so, um, you know, I ended up doing it for two more years until it, there just wasn't enough time. Yeah. Touch a little bit on numbers. People become fascinated by on social media now. I see it all the time. I want to get this amount of followers. I want to get this numbers. I want to get this engagement. For you, it seemed like you had, you need to get 100,000 followers. That was your goal. And then for me, it's been, I've gone through this very similarly on TikTok. I, I had goals okay. of, of hitting 10,000, 30,000, 50,000. I now hit 70,000. And then people think, oh, you've got all these followers. Why why don't you post? You should have so much motivation to post all the time. But it's not like that. I think there's something no. in the psyche that's like numbers don't mean anything. Your brain gets used to it, but it's the influence and the impact that matters. Was that always your mindset? Uh, for me, I definitely fell into the trap of like at the end of the day, like they were numbers on a screen to an extent. Like when I would be at home on a school night, right? Like my school made us play sports. So I'm in school for seven hours. The school I went to was the fifth hardest private school in the country. Right. Um, so a lot of homework, like four or five hours a day of homework, yeah. five to 10 page papers. So I was up 21 hours a day, like literally for basically my whole high school, like never partied, never really did stuff like that. Like it was just like, I genuinely love this. I genuinely want to do this. Um, 
And so what I found was, is that the numbers became relatively insignificant. I was really, like I said, motivated by the other components, right? It was like, if I, you know, set out, like I ended up going on tour, for example, between my junior and senior year, I took my summer break and I was like, I'm going to go on a meet and greet tour. And I remember, I remember my mom, my friends, everyone telling me like, like Blake, like I understand what you're trying to do, but YouTubers that go on tour have millions and millions of followers. You have 195,000 subscribers. That's how many I had when I went yeah. on tour. Yeah. I'm listening and I'm not trying to not listen to them, but at the end of the day, uh, I, I seriously, as cliche as it sounds like, I'm not willing to regret anything. I'm going to try it. If it doesn't work, that's okay. And that's what you but wanted. That's what I wanted. I was like, look, I, I want, I, I want, I was like, I'm going to call it like a thank you tour. Like, that's the point. I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to go to all the, I went to 30 cities. So it was a lot of cities, traveled all around the country, even a little bit, a couple international cities. Yeah. And every city, despite only having 190,000 subscribers, I had over a thousand people show up at each city. And it was truly just a thank you tour. And I thought to myself, like, this is how many people show up for YouTubers with 3 million subscribers. But because I was so focused on my personal connection with my audience, like I had a Snapchat, it was open. I spent two hours a day responding to Snapchats, you know, like literally yeah. in the middle of class, responding every DM, every yeah. comment, every everything, everything I could do, I wanted to do. Like that was why I did it, you know, yeah. and it taught me so much about there's let me put it this way there's no walk of life that i didn't interact with in, in the best of ways if that makes sense yeah. and it, it was really rewarding and it's really set me up to do a lot of what i do now yeah so what is it to you that most that matters most then is it impact a hundred percent it's it's impact it's 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 being the right like the way i looked at it this is part of why i started too is i looked at youtube and and it's nothing against any particular youtuber in fact a lot of these youtubers are are friends and clients but i looked at it and i thought to myself like you guys are all leaders to these kids but you're just unboxing shoes you're just talking you know you're just partying you know yeah, you're just yeah. You're just showing all these unattainable things, mm -hmm. but you're not even explaining to them how they could attain it themselves. Yeah, You're not explaining anything that pertains to real life besides someone's materialism or something along those lines. Yeah, I want to be someone that it's, it wasn't about like, I want kids to look up to me. It was like, I'm the same age as you. I want to show you that this is real. This is doable and good luck. Right? Like mm -hmm. that's more so what I wanted to show. Um, because I always just, I, I, I just felt like, you know, there's, there's so many people that everyone looks up to. I'm like, why do you look up to these people? And I'm not saying, and like, again, like I'm not saying I wanted them you're to look right, up though. I think you're right in many ways. I think the yeah, influence that like, you've created and the impact that you're creating and, and you can continue, but I think you, everything that you're preaching now is everything that you're on this podcast for and everything that I'm trying to create as well. Awesome. Influence well, and that. impact and, and, and lifelong value to people and not just to numbers and engagement and, and, fake subscribers but actual impact human to human to people i think is everything that that i preach and everything that you preach and so i absolutely love that but anyway continue awesome i was going to say you know when i was a kid uh, if people asked me what i was going to do when i grew up like since i was three four years old i was like i'm going to be president of the united states that's what i would always say yeah I, I i think that that ambition has probably left me now you know i mean there's this little part of me that's like especially now the way the world is i'm like i really wish i could go in there and be president and yeah um, not, not at 20, but you know, later in life, yeah, like, yeah. um, but you know, uh, I've said it publicly quite a few times, um, running for mayor next election here in Las Vegas is something that's very much so on my radar. 
Um, you know, I, the way I look at it is, you know, in school, I was always leader of the group projects and it wasn't because I was the best. It was because I felt like I knew something that Steve taught me very much yeah. was how to leverage uh, a person's self-esteem into working towards a, a community's goal, right? Like that was really probably one of the most valuable lessons that Steve taught me, not in terms of even just running my own company, but yeah. in terms of how you look at life. Yeah. Um, and, and, and so, you know, YouTube was a 16 year old way of doing that. You know, it was a way of being like, I see this group of kids and I really think that I could be a more positive influence for them than they may currently have, or I could just be an additional positive influence, whatever it is. And, you know, hopefully I was that for, for the subscribers that I had. Let's dive deep into that, that positive influence and, and what you said Steve taught you about human connection and inspiring people. Was it always in relation to, to business and growth business or was it just in relation to human connection? Human connection. Steve, you know, in my opinion, one of the bigger misconceptions about Steve, of course, he's an entrepreneur, but Steve is, is two things, I think, even above an entrepreneur. Number one, he's a designer. Just you look at the buildings. I mean, you listen to him speak. I mean, the things that he really cares about was, you know, like he would pick out the forks and the knives and the spoons at each restaurant. You know, that's yeah. the level of detail, right, yeah. that he really cared about. And the second thing was creating a culture. Like the business is the business. If, you, if you're good at what you do, the money will be there. If you're the best at what you do, your, your finance sheet will show the same, right? He was like, I've never really thought about finances in my life. Obviously, there's certain components of it that you you think about but yeah. not in the sense of i'm gonna go chase x y or z you know dollar amount yeah. it's more so if we're the best our process is the best the people involved are the best and our, our results are the best then you you know yeah. charge whatever you want do whatever you want you know whatever it is that that you know really you know gets you going you can do just off the basis that you're the best in order to be the best and especially when we're talking about a business that involves people it's look, pay everyone fairly. And then beyond that, it's like, okay, the average person, as long as they're paid fairly, that becomes secondary, right? So now it's like, what actually matters? Well, what matters is what you spend eight hours or more a day doing. How do you make that enjoyable? How do you make it f them feel like that's their own, right? How, how do you have, how do you leverage, or uh, leverage isn't even the right word. How do you create an atmosphere where they want to go above and beyond yeah. because it's not just your business and your dream. It's yeah. everyone's vision and everyone's dream all combined as one. Yeah. Um, and, and, you know, that I've used that, you know, thinking in, in every business decision I've made mostly. Yeah. yeah. So let's pivot a little bit then. So you, you obviously, now you've got this YouTube channel, you've got all these subscribers, you have this passion, I assume to get into sports marketing, maybe not touch on how you pivoted where that happened and and maybe the early steps of that I, I love this question um, you know it was, a, it was it was such a unique pivot because it was it really was extremely natural so there was kind of two parts to it the first part was um, I was an influencer for the Chargers since 2017 I was a diehard Chargers fan since I was a little kid constantly would reach out reach out reach out finally got in with them and so I did some different activations with them and became close to a lot of players on the team who I grew up idolizing at the While same time, you say that, can we dive quickly just deep into sure, that? Sure. As an influencer, so you said you, you reached out, you reached out, you reached out. Most people will reach out once and give up. What was this process of reaching out? I am such a diehard Chargers fan that yeah. I, I was like, I, I'm not going to take no for an answer. Um, and, and to be honest, no answer wasn't no. So uh, I, I had no reason to stop reaching out. If I was told no, then maybe it's a different conversation. But I, I just wasn't getting responded to. 
on what, on what platforms? Was it email, Instagram? What was it? Yes. <laughs> Everything? <laughs> Everything you can think of. Uh, players DMs, uh, staff DMs. Finally, I got a hold of a guy named Joel Price, who was who at the time was their senior vice president of marketing, something along those lines. He's a big Casey Neistat fan. And I had happened to have met Casey a couple of times. And so uh, I, uh, I kind of reached out to him. I knew he was a Casey fan. And long story short, uh, he said, you look, I'll give you a field pass of the game and I'll try to get it so you can vlog during the game. But that's basically it. And that's really all I wanted. Like, yeah. I didn't really want anything. Like, I, I really more so was just like, I want the Chargers to kind of acknowledge this. And yeah, yeah. I'm like thinking to myself, like, Every team has celebrity fans. And I don't think that I was a celebrity by any means, but I'm like, you cannot name a popular Chargers fan. I'm like, even my YouTube with 100K, that's probably still makes me one of the more notable Chargers fans. They don't have a lot of fans. Yeah. <laughs> no. um, and so uh, I, I filmed during the game. This older woman comes up to me. She's like, how do you have this camera? Like, how old are you? What are you doing? Ask me a million questions. Finally, at the end of it, she says, why don't you come watch the game with me? I said, oh, you know, actually, my dad's here with me. Like, I had actually, I had to buy the tickets to the game. He just yeah. gave me one field, free field pass and a media pass for me. Um, you know, and I took my dad with me because I was, you know, I was 16 or 17. Yeah. Um, she says, oh, you can bring your dad too. We have a box. I said, wow, that, you know, that's pretty cool. I said, I, I'm sorry. I didn't even shoot myself. I'm Blake. She says, hi, I'm Susie. I'm like, crap. And I, as soon as she said her name, I was like, this is the owner's wife. It's Susie Spano. So she's basically the owner. No way. So I'm like, dad. We're going to get to go watch the game, the owner's box. She's like running around. She's like, look, we have a YouTuber here today. Dean, meet Blake, you know, AJ or AG. AG's their son who is president of the Chargers, I believe. Right. AG, meet, you know, and I meet all these different Chargers people. So I'm, now I'm like, I'm in. Okay. Like, now I'm like, all right. You know, she gives me her cell phone number. She's like, whenever you want to come, let me know. You can come sit with us. I'll give you tickets, feel whatever you need. Yeah. Cool. So next year, my YouTube channel, at that time, I was at about 74,000 subscribers, if I remember correctly. Right. Um, the same time next year, I was up to like 250. So then the marketing team was reaching out to me and like, hey, uh, my cause, my cleats week is coming up. Every player gets to design a pair of cleats, um, you know, that represents a charity or, or something that they really care about. And they're like, what we want you to do is we want you to come in and like be a celebrity judge, if you will, for this contest and pick whatever player designed the best cleat. And we'll make sure every player presents them to you and it'll be filmed. And then we'll take that video. We'll show it during the pregame on the Jumbotron of this Sunday's no game. No way. And we'll get you hooked up with tickets and everything so you can be there. And I thought to myself, okay, now here's an opportunity. At the same time, all the players were probably like, I got to explain my cleats to some 17-year-old <laughs> kid. Like, this is so yeah. stupid. Yeah. So I go to the headquarters to do it, meet a lot more of the, you know, the marketing team and the yeah. operations team and everything like that. And I end up going one by one through all the star players that I, you know, I'm like Idolized, idolizing yeah. over, like, you know, all that stuff. And finally, I end up picking like two co-winners of this. One of them was an offensive tackle named Russell Okun. One of them was a linebacker named Hayes Pollard. But after I did that, you know, this whole thing took about 45 minutes. Hayes stayed back with me because Hayes is really into sneakers. Yeah. And we just start talking. We talked for like an hour and 10 minutes. And I, I knew who he was, but it was his first year on the team. He was a linebacker. Right. Um, so he wasn't, you know, some you know quarterback or some crazy position. But I was like, this guy is super sick. And this was on like a Monday. Yeah. So that night I flew back to Vegas. I was in and out for the day. Went back to school for the week. Was this all, sorry to interrupt, was this all paid for by you? Was it paid for by them? Uh, I, I'm pretty sure they flew me in. 
Um, oh, okay. I didn't like charge them to yeah. do this little thing. Like I just, like I said, like I'm such a big fan. I, I want to say they paid for my flights. Um, they, they picked me up from the airport and stuff. Yeah. When I got there, they had like a, a Chargers jersey that said "Just Win" on the back for me. Like they they did some cool stuff. That's cool, yeah. Um, yeah, uh, yeah. If I remember correctly, uh, right. but also like flying from Vegas to there. Like I'm sure that if they didn't pay for it, I was more than happy to. 100%. But um, so you flew back so to Vegas, day, yeah. What was that? So you flew back to Vegas. You did it all in a day. Yeah. So flew back to Vegas. And on Thursday, I had this idea. You know, players always swap jerseys, right? right. Like after the game, they sign them. And it's like one of their homies on a different team. And I, I texted Hayes, who I've now known for two days. And I said, Hayes, I'm going to be there. I know you're into shoes. You told me you were really into these Revenge Storm bands, basically, is what these shoes were. And yeah. I was like, I have a pair brand new in your size because we're the same size shoe. Yeah. I said, I'm going to be on the field during the game. Let's do a swap for my blog. Like, you give me your game jersey, sign it. I'll give you the shoes. And, like, that'll be the swap. It'll never – it's nothing like that's ever been done before. Yeah. Players only switch with players. He was like, bro, I am so down. Because he's like, yes. I, I trade my used jersey for a pair <laughs> of shoes I want. Like, he probably didn't even care. Um, so we went there. We did that. Um you know, and, and that was a really, really special, you know, event for me. I still have that jersey hanging out here in, in the office and yeah. in the conference room. Um, but getting to the reason why I tell this is in 2018, I've now been, I've gotten closer and closer to Hayes. You know, I went to his wedding. He got married. Um, you know, I mean, there was just actually that I messed up the time. No, no. Yeah. He got married. Um, you know, all these different things were happening. And I was a part of it. You know, I went to his camp, all this stuff. We played eight ball on the iOS games all the time. I mean, yeah. just got really, really close. At the same time, I was kind of closing out my YouTube career. But at the same time, I didn't know what was next totally. I was going to college. I was going to Fordham University in New York. So yeah. I was moving across the country. And I knew, like, I, more or less, I didn't want to take the YouTube with me. I was like, some in some fashion, I'm going to kind of wrap this up before college. Was there a reason uh, you didn't want to take it with you? I felt like it had a lifespan, in all honesty. I was like, no matter what I do, like, at the end of the day, like, the, this is a game of relevance. And yeah. I don't think that it's plausible to stay relevant doing the exact same thing. It wasn't that I didn't want to do YouTube. It was that I need I knew something needed to be changed or else that it was going to taper off naturally right, okay. and I didn't want to let it taper off naturally. I wanted to leave while I was at the top. So that way, as there was more things I wanted to do, I would have the door open to do them. It wasn't like, Oh, it's this like washed up, like, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. He used to be like a decent YouTuber, but then like he quit when he got like no views. Right. <laughs> like I didn't want that. I, I, one of my favorite things is the fact that my most popular video I ever posted on YouTube was my third to last video. It got like 6 million views. Um, wow. Like that was how I, I wanted to leave things. I wanted to leave things knowing like I did the best I could at this, not yeah, like yeah. I quit because I quit. Um, also, I didn't know how much time college was going to take. And, you know, it was it was a large adjustment to move from Las Vegas to New York and everything like that. Yeah. So in, in any case, as I was moving, I was I was getting so many shoes sent to me for free. You know, that was what my channel was about. And so GOAT, StockX, Champs, Foot Locker, like a deep, like you name it, I was getting shoes, but to the degree where like it was hundreds of pairs a month, brand new, and I literally didn't even know what to do with it. There literally, was no expectation. Was there any expectation that you were to post these, or create videos about them? Or? I had long-term contracts with them, and so I had I had certain deliverables. Yeah, but the quantity of all of it combined was just. I mean, I had like thousands of pairs of shoes. Wow. You know, and I was like eighteen. Yeah, and so at the time, I was also still living in my mom's house. I was a senior in high school, and she's like. 
you gotta like like this <laughs> this does not fly like this is not a stock room at a footlocker like get rid of some of these shoes and so i sold some i did all these different things and it, literally i couldn't get rid of them as fast as i was getting them so i was like if i gotta get rid of them i want to get rid of them to people who i idolize so i started dming celebrities that i like on instagram and being like hey you want a free pair of yeezys i got you literally that's it and I mainly did it with football players because yeah. that's just the sport I was always a fan of. Yeah. So I ended up with all these guys that would hit me up for shoes. But when you sell an athlete shoes, never mind sell, but give, it kind of created these friendships that I never expected or anticipated. It was like, yo, if you're ever in Memphis, like, let's go out. I'm like, okay, if you want to go out, I'll be in Memphis tomorrow. <laughs> he was like, all right, come stay with me. So I go to Memphis and go out with, that was like uh, D'Angelo Williams. Who that must have been unbelievable. Back. I'm like, all right, let's do it. Like, like you know, it, I, I, I'm here for it, right? Yeah. So it got to the point where so many guys were asking me for the shoes and stuff. I was starting to run out. And a lot of the guys have large following. So I'm like, you know, I have a good relationship with these companies. Like, I can get you your own deal. And that's kind of when the wheels started spinning of like, they're like, oh, like, how much would you take to get me my own deal? I'm super down. I'm like, well, nothing. Like, you're the, you're the homie. Yeah, like, yeah. it's fine. Then I'm thinking to myself, like, I've been, I was always my own manager. I never hired a manager on YouTube. I hired a videographer and editor, which is almost like the flip of most YouTubers. Like most <laughs> YouTubers get a manager and they film and edit themselves. I kind of did it the, the opposite way yeah. as it grew and as I could afford an editor and you know, videographer and everything. Yeah. And so I end up sitting in, I was in a class. It was uh, mid, medieval Jewish history in Southeast Asia. It was at a Jesuit university in New York. So I'm sitting there like visibly frustrated as to like, I'm like, I am so out of place. Like, how did this happen? Yeah, like yeah. I, I was kind of like, not, I, I would never go as far as to say depressed. Like I think depression is a very real, very serious thing. And I wasn't like that, but I was very unhappy. You know, I, I was like, I had, I was doing everything I wanted to do on a daily basis. And like, now I'm in the same boat as everybody else. Yeah. And I wasn't like that for the last seven years. Like yeah. what the fuck just happened? Yeah. So, I'm like, you know what? I'm going to get all my all these guys sneaker deals and I'll take that money and I'll start a company. That was what I, that was what I came up with. Yeah. So I'm sitting there typing out this business plan during this 2-hour seminar and I get done with about 2 pages. I'm typing ridiculously fast and all of a sudden I was like I got it. This is the business. So I literally stood up and I left the class. And I ran to my dorm. I was living in the dorms at the time and I FaceTime Taze. That was the first person I thought of because it was the athlete I was closest to. Yeah. So hey, is this my idea like we can get athletes brand deals, blah, blah, blah. Like, what do you think? He's like, bro, if you're not Tom Brady, Saquon Barkley, or the top couple guys, we don't get marketing deals. Like, we need, there's a huge need for this. And I said, okay, but if we're going to do it, I've been approached by so many talent managers in my life. I hate it. I think it's total bullshit. They want 10% of everything that you do. And even if you bring it for yourself, they want to cut. If it's merch, they want to cut. If it's your views, they want to cut. I hated this. So I said, look, if we're going to do this, I want to do it with the right intentions. I want it to be by athletes for athletes. So I want you involved. He was like, done. Like, he's like, I'm probably only going to play another couple seasons. Like, whatever you need, I'm here for it. Yeah. Two years later, he's now our president of athlete marketing, works for us full time, <sighs> retired from the NFL. Um, you know, literally like probably like one of my closest friends on the planet, you know, he and his wife uh, are uh, moving to Vegas here shortly. Um, you know, like it. his son is like my nephew, you what know. Um, so it kind of was a really natural pivot of just like, here's sneakers. And all of a sudden, here's a deal with body armor. You know, here's a deal with. Uh, so how you were know? you facil? So 
it's funny because it's all almost like now the pieces are being put in place. Your YouTube channel exactly. that you were giving up on that provided you all this opportunity has now given you the platform to provide deals. that. Are- Stop. I'm interrupting my own podcast to talk directly to you. What do you care about? What is your deepest passion in this world? That is what you need to be doing consistently. So now that you know that, how can we align your content with those goals so you can build a personal brand that sells? That's everything we touch on in my eight-week personal branding accelerator. I'm opening up my next 50 spots as we speak. So DM me on Instagram at Billy Garton Jr. And we'll hop on a quick 10-minute phone call to see if you're a good fit. Now back to the episode. That has led you into your next venture. So how did that sort of unfold? Did you have connections with Body Armor and all these companies via that? Or did you have to facilitate these? Absolutely not. No, not to them. No, Um, I I didn't. uh, My connections were to the brands that I had worked with. You know, I'd worked with quite a bit of brands. You know, I'd worked with Amazon, Lululemon, you know, all these sneaker brands. You know, I'd worked with a lot of brands, but not nearly enough to support what we were trying to do. Um, So when I started the company, I I was like, first things first, I I have to change my headspace. I'm way too unhappy like this. And I can't start a company unhappy. It's way too important to be excited about what you're doing, happy with the environment. And I had done, you know, well enough on YouTube that I, I had financial backing on my own. And so I moved out of the dorms three weeks after moving in. I didn't leave college, but I moved out of the dorms and I got an apartment in Manhattan, uh, nice. Central Park View, like everything I wanted, yeah. um, spent most of what I had on it. And it was like, okay, you got the atmosphere you want. I, I am, I, you know, I ended up meeting a girl who I ended up being with for quite some time, you know, a couple of years. And so everything very quickly flipped for me, like literally from September 15th, 2018 to October 5th, 2018, like yeah. all of that happened in the same like 20 day range. Yeah. Um, the business, the, the apartment, the, the, you know, the girl, everything happened. And so I was really happy and I was like, you know, I was confident in, in, in you know, where my head was at. Yeah. And so, had one of my friends from high school come visit right. um, and he's like, so like, what are you you know up to now? And and I wasn't incredibly close to this kid, but he was just in New York and he was like, yo, like I'd love to hang out, whatever. And I was yeah. like, yeah, let's do it. But so I'm telling him about this and, you know, we end up talking about it until the sun comes up the next day. And I said, look, I, I, I can't, I don't really have much to offer you. Yeah. Like if you want to like intern, like try to help me with this, like there will be a place for you if we make this work. But like, you know, we're, we're starting. He's like, I'm here for it. Let's do it. So the two of us started this and we sent, I would say about 200 cold emails a day out. I mean, around the clock, 23 hours a day, sending emails, oh doing word. school, doing what we got to do. Like to me, there's, it, there's no like in between. It's like you either do it that way or it's yeah, not, going, or you don't. It's yeah. not going to work. You yeah. have to give that much time. Yeah. Um, and, and literally through cold emails, it was like, Hey, we represent 15 NFL guys they love to work with your products. And we ended up getting guys in very early with like Bird, uh, like the scooters. Yeah. Uh, Body Armor was over cold email. Haritos Mexican Soda was over cold email. All of it was. But so we had... Just, so this email that you were sending out, what was mm-hmm. the email? It was more or less like a, uh, hello, you know, such and such. We are you know, a new sports agency, B1 Sports. We represent 15 NFL athletes ranging from practice squad guys to all pros, such as Pac-Man Jones. That was our biggest guy at first because he was just a close friend of mine from yeah. uh, shoe stuff and traveling and everything like that. Yeah. Um, like he was one of the guys that was like, let's link in the Bahamas. I was like, I'll be there tomorrow. <laughs> 
uh, and that was like, that was a summer between high school and college uh, for me. And so, um, you know, I, I think we were selling more or less selling something that was, it was like, regardless of what our name and reputation was, we yeah. had a phenomenal product, which was these athletes, right? Yeah, like, yeah. like no matter what you think of BWIN sports, we didn't even have a website, but I was like, doesn't matter. No matter what you think or can find about BWIN sports, yeah, I can show you the contract yeah. that says we represent this person and you're not working with us really. We're just selling you like the person, right? That was at first. Now we have, you know, a whole yeah, yeah. repertoire of offerings and services and everything like that. But that's, that was really how it came to be was, you know, cold lead generation. That's madness. So you're drafting these these contracts for these guys. You don't even have a website yet. You don't have anything up. What are you putting? I had in a lawyer. There? You had a, I lawyer. had a lawyer, right? So I had a lawyer. and they were advising you what to put in there. Um, so it's interesting. So my lawyer used to be one of the attorneys for the NFLPA, which is the NFL Players Association. Um, he then started his own practice where he specialized in influencer stuff. And right. so he was my lawyer for helping me sign like my brand deals when I was on YouTube. Yeah. Um, he works with a lot of other, you know, popular YouTubers, you know, easy bus stuff. You ever heard of him? Like, I know him. You know, Danita. I know him. Oh, he yeah. went to high school with me. That's crazy. Oh, wow. Yeah. That is, uh, that is crazy. You might want to bleep out his name, but <laughs> <laughs> I will. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah. So, you know, Zach's a lot of those guys lawyers. And so when I kind of started this company, I was like, Hey, this is what I'm doing. He was like, I'm here for it. Like, this is my background. And I was like, yeah. Oh yeah. Duh. I didn't even put two and two together. And so, um, we got the contracts drafted up, but I prided ourselves on, on how flexible we were and how for the athlete we were. Yeah. So our contracts are one page long. You can terminate with 24 hours notice. We're non-exclusive. Everything you make that doesn't come through us, we don't take a single cent of. The point was we are here to add value. If we're not adding value, you don't owe us anything. If yeah. we add value, we take a percentage off the top of what we added. That's it. And whatever you want us to do for you, we will do it, even if it's not our wheelhouse. You know, yeah. like I will figure it out. Like I'll hire someone to do it that knows it. You know, I have my own, you know, Rolodex of connections, whatever it may be. Like yeah. we'll figure it out, but whatever you need, we are here to do. That was the, that was the mindset and anything that we are not doing, we don't expect anything of. So I'm trying to look at like thinking of the audience here and how they're trying to picture this. So a lot of these things that you were providing, were you out of pocket initially because you hadn't made money for these guys yet? Or You know, I mean, there was, you know, there's startup costs, yeah, you know, yeah. you got to buy it. You got, you know, an LLC is $700 and a yeah. trademark is a couple <laughs> hundred bucks. And, you know, like getting the contracts drafted up is probably 250, 300 bucks, you know, like just a standard contract. Yeah. If, if you have a lawyer who, you know, won't, you know, beat you over the head with the pricing. Um, let me see, you know, paying someone to help you if you can't get someone to help Maybe, you, yeah. you know, at an early stage, you know, that would have had a cost, you know, Brock was Brock worked for free for quite some time, you know, as did I. Yeah. Um, but I think the reason he bought into it was I was like, Brock, I know that you're going to grow this business with me. I'm telling you, it's going to work. I don't know how long it will take to make work, but it's going to work. We have a solid business plan. It's been examined and reexamined by great minds. Um, like we will make this work. Brock's now our COO and is doing very well. He's dropped out of college. Um, you know, oh, we're yeah. still very, very close. So, you know, it all worked out in the end. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I mean, it, uh, that, that's exactly it, right? It's like goes back to what I said about the, you know, human interaction and human emotion. It's 100%. like he believed my vision to such a degree that it became his vision. 
And now it is truthfully is 100% our vision. I can tell you right now, this business would not be where it is without Brock. There's no doubt about it, yeah. but even more so this business, not even not, well, similarly, this business wouldn't be anywhere without any of the people that we have now. Yeah. You know, we have a 19 person team now and it, and we would not have a business if it wasn't for the contributions of each of them taking those same principles that Brock took of like, yeah. I want to be here. I, the, that vision is my vision. I totally see it. Let's go do it. And it's a great, great atmosphere to feel that. I love it. Was uh was age excusitis ever a thing for you? I've never heard that one. Uh, n- no, I you know I, I kind of think my age right now is I'm almost losing it, but it was my biggest advantage because to me it was it left me able to be constantly underestimated, right. which like if you have a really big ego is really challenging because it's like, okay, well, you know, like this person doesn't think I'm much like, fuck that. I'm, you know, whatever. But it's like, if you see the opportunity in it, it's really unbelievable because being underestimated, that means if you just do just what you are knowingly capable of, whether it's in the context of a meeting or a podcast, whatever it may be, you are over at, you are over delivering just because, right? Like, let's say, let's say hypothetically, you didn't, you were like, I don't know what to expect. Like, I'll put this kid on my podcast, right? Yeah, yeah. If I come on here and this is just, you know, how I speak and whatever, yeah. but if this is impressive to you, then I'm over delivering, but it's like, I'm not over delivering because I'm doing something crazy i'm over delivering because of your expectations yeah and that is unbelievable because then your relationships end up so much stronger because it's like this person is just beyond what i initially expected so it seems like they did something they didn't even really do and you almost get extra credit if you will i love it i love it right yeah um you know now i'm 20 and i have facial hair and different things i'm starting (laughs) to lose that a little bit now but that's okay yeah i mean getting your foot in the door a lot of people would say would be very difficult at that age. What I love and what I'm starting to see here is what you've done with everything, what Steve has taught you, everything that came from when you were young about relationships. You've taken that and you've absolutely manifested that with everything in your being in this venture, which has turned into all the opportunity you provide. Are you a man that likes to give value first before offering contracts? How do you go about closing these deals, reaching out to them? All that Absolutely. Stuff? So, not only do I want to provide value before I offer a contract, I won't offer you a contract if I don't think I can provide value. Yeah. Like truthfully, I would say that I feel this way to a degree that I haven't met many people that think this way. And I, I think it could even be, I definitely think it's actually one of my vulnerabilities or weaknesses, if you will, is that I care so much more about being the best than any dollar amount, any name, any, you know, whatever that we've missed out on seven figures worth of opportunities easily seven, probably closer to eight. It's actually probably closer to eight. I know it's over seven. It's probably closer to eight, but to me, it's like, look, the opportunities will always be there. Stuff like that charger story. I told you, you, you create your own opportunities. They don't just magically come. And so to me, I'm not really worried about missing out on certain things from a dollar sign perspective. If I don't think I'm actually going to be the best, because for example, as a marketing agency, that's now been in business for over two years, we have never lost a client. That's like unheard of in the marketing space. Marketing agencies are known for more or less not scamming you, but like being very vague and wishy-washy exactly and like right. this sucks, I'm out, right? Yeah. And so, you know, we have clients that have, you know, we've seen grow tremendously. We've helped a couple of our clients actually exit yeah. a multi-million dollar, you know, 
exits, which has yeah. been really rewarding to see. And so, um, you know, for, 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 for me, you know, whether it's age, whether it's, you know, anything else that you could probably pinpoint that would be perceived as a weakness. I'm like, look, at the end of the day, like, I'm just trying to be the best. And so if you're a company that our services make sense for you and we see it the same way, yeah. I think that we will be, you know, yeah, and that's yeah. what I can sell people on. And, and that's what makes starting a business like this pretty simple. You know, yeah. COVID grew our business by hundreds of percent. You know, I don't want to say the exact number, but, yeah. um, you know, during COVID, we went from 10 to 19 employees, you know, it's because now that people have to focus on where their marketing dollars go, yeah, they're like, we need to make sure they're most effectively used. Um, and when you say, do you like to provide value before you offer a contract? I will give companies spreadsheets that show exactly what we're going to do, when we're going to do it, and 20 plus page marketing plans before I even show them a contract. Does this look like something that you need? No? Okay. Well, end of conversation. Does this look like something you need? Yeah. Okay. Well, what if we do this, this, this? And, I, you know, I hire the people that create these things, yeah. you know, based on, you know, our teaching and training process and everything that we have over here. Um, but to me, it's like, and, you know, in some cases that might not be value, yeah. right? If, if the answer is no, then it's not value. But if the answer is yes, you didn't pay a cent for a 25 page marketing plan. And I'm like, look, if you don't want to use us, try to execute it yourself. Yeah. But keep in mind, the, from, an influ from an influencer perspective, all, we manage all these influencers. So if you want to do it by yourself, you're still gonna have to come to us. Yeah. You know, we, we have in-house writers. So if you need a press article done, we do that very inexpensively. So you want press done? Good luck cold emailing Yahoo Finance. Yeah. But you can also just do it with us really yeah. expensively, right? Yeah. Um, so there's so many things like that that we have basically, um, you know, to, to use a business school term, right? We have so many UVPs, yeah. you know, unique <laughs> value propositions that I, I, fe I feel like it's easy to offer value because it's not replicable by our competitors. Yeah. So from a marketing perspective, then you've never lost a client, all that sort of stuff. What, what do you feel you do that separates you guys in this marketing world? That's ever changing algorithms changing. Obviously press is in its, in itself. That doesn't really change, but on these social platforms specifically, what do you, what do you feel it is that you do that separates you? So on a surf, a couple of things so on a surface level, you have the fact that we're not vague and we're extremely tangible in what we right. offer, right? right? You go to a marketing agency, oh, we'll help you create content. Oh, we'll get you some influencers. Oh, we'll get you some PR help. We'll get you, right? Yeah. When we do a marketing plan, it's look, you're going to have these 16 names doing two Instagram story posts and one Instagram feed post on these dates, right? To their following of this exact number. And the content is going to look exactly like this, right? And the content is being created by someone you know, I'm usually the one that's coming up with the creative for a lot of our like bigger activations. And I tell people, you know, a big part of this is, look, you're not hiring some agency of 40 year olds that graduated, you know, college and, and learned all these different marketing terms. You're hiring someone who built a following of over a million on social media, yeah. which is, you know, my TikTok, YouTube, yeah. everything combined. Um, I understand this. I've created 10,000 pieces of original content for my own brand. Yeah. Never mind, you know, my Shopify, which was in the top 1% in traffic and in sales yeah. for 24 months, even though it was only operational for seven. So I did such large numbers in those seven months that even if you spread them out over 24 months, it still kept me in the top 1% <laughs> on Shopify. I don't even have the Shopify anymore. I ended yeah. up, that was a, you know, a past venture. Yeah. Um, 
But, you know, so when I say, hey, you know, if you're if you're a product and you're on Shopify, I'm like, I bet I can help you. You know, I I, I want to be a little careful how much I, you know, say yeah, on yeah, it. Yeah. But, uh, you know, I, I guess the best way of probably putting it would be like, I, I think we do a very good job of marketing for exactly what year we are living in. And I think a lot of agencies don't do that, right? Like, if you're a company that goes to an oral marketing agency, how often is it that you're going to get offered TikTok influencers? We have them signed to us. How often are you going to get YouTubers? You know, people like Tana Mojo, who, yeah. are, who are really, really famous. Like, they're, you know, we get them brand deals all the way to micro influencers who you probably have never even heard of. We get all of them deals and we position the right influencer with the right brand, with the right product, with the right creative. And the amount of thought that goes into it combined with how like I said, tangible, like you're guaranteed these things. Yeah. That's what you like. The contract you sign is the plan. And you say you either sign off on the plan. And if we don't deliver that plan, you get your money back. And if we do deliver that plan, you probably are going to have a really strong business. And yeah. so a lot of our clients have had their contracts expire as well. Um, and they all they've all resigned as well. Right. It's been so really neat. A lot of people don't understand the process of influencers. They think, oh, we'll sign a marketing company I'm talking about. So, oh, we'll sign this company up and then we'll reach out to the influencers, see if they want to do a brand deal. How do you sort of work your influencer deals with these people? Is it like a monthly pay? Is it like pay per commission? You just have them on your side? How does that work? Sure, so I probably should have started there. So sorry for confusing the no, audience. No, no, you're good. But, um, so our business now has pivoted. So our business now, we allocate the marketing budgets for about 40 companies. Everything else is in-house. So in a sense, because it got to the point where it was like, it's, I'm like, it's, it's kind of oddly hard to sell players to brands. I mean, brands purchased the players more or less, but I'm like, also like once the brand purchases the player, like I don't have control over the creative the purchases of players, like, you know, promo spot essentially. Yeah. Right. Like I don't have control over the creative. There's so many things missing here. It's like at the end of the day, like I, I'm just like, selling stuff for this guy and taking a small percentage like yeah. I, i'm doing him a disservice as much as i'm doing myself a disservice because there's so much more opportunity right so i was like what if we just had essentially reframed ourselves took the company's budget and everything's done in-house we have google ad experts facebook ad experts the press writers as i mentioned the influence all the nfl guys still signed to us we have nba guys we have a thousand influencers that span from youtubers models entrepreneurs uh, musicians, you know, you name it, mm -hmm. um, you know, you name the field TikTokers, right? Like yeah. we have it. Um, and, and so now it's like, we go to you and everything's done in house. I don't have to go to anyone. If I go to, let's say we sign body armor, the, you know, yeah, the yeah, yeah, yeah. and they say, you know what, this is our demographic. This is all of the information that you would need to market us effectively. What yeah. do you think is best? I would say, okay, let's use these 10 athletes. They're all signed to us. So it's all guaranteed that they're going to do it. So I don't have to reach out to anything right. because when you start paying us, you need to start seeing results. I don't want you to start paying us. And then we start trying to work for you. Yeah. It's like, you knew exactly what you were going to get. When you paid, you were like, yeah, I, I want to do this immediately from the first day of the month, you will start to see these posts be rolled out and you know, yeah. everything yeah. that we're doing. we, you know, sold in that particular case, yeah. you will see it immediately. Yeah. Um, and, and you know, I, I think, you know, the amount of times gone on the phone with someone be like, We've been with six marketing agencies and this is like, this isn't even the same business. This is just, this is so different. Like you want to know our numbers so you can create your data analysis reports. You know, I, I, I you know, I'm, I'm the second or third youngest person at the company. 
you know, I have lots of college graduates that have economics degrees and, you know, all these different things. So they can, you know, put together the proper reports that I can send to the clients that I probably don't even know how to do. I mean, I know how they're done in the context of our business, but I didn't know how to do them in terms of a tactical, like I learned how to use these programs in this manner and I learned how to calculate these values and, you know, things like that. Yeah. but that's not what it's about. That's not what my role is. You know, and that's another thing too, is being very aware of where you fit into the puzzle, right? Exactly. Every time you bring on a new person, a new client, a new whatever, the puzzle gets bigger. And it's important to understand that no matter if you're CEO or an intern, you're a piece. And if you're just really good at that piece, that's all that's needed. You don't have to do everything. You know, I, you know, when we do our numbers, I have a great accountant. I don't, put together our tax return yeah. i sign off on it and i pay it yeah, yeah. right 100%. But to me that's you know it's those kinds of things that are so important because then it gives me more time to focus on the clients and everything like that um which is what you know that's the bread and butter of the business yeah let's paint a picture then because a lot of our audience and, and my audience don't have necessarily the backing whether that be following base they don't have the money to start out yet they're starting a business. You obviously can't hire all these people to do X, Y, and Z for you. Sure. Where do you start in your eyes? In the context of my story, my story started the day that I walked into that Adidas outlet and found those shoes for nineteen ninety nine. Yeah. Everything I've done since that day has translated to what my today looks like. Right. Right. Like people say, wow, you've been doing this for two years. How do I do this in two years? I'm like, I didn't do this in two years. Like this is nine years. Like yeah. there's every single component of this is not possible if I don't resell that shoe in 2011. Amen. Like seriously, if I don't resell the shoe, I never need to market shoes. I don't start the YouTube. If I never start the YouTube, I don't get the shoes for free. I have no reason to meet athletes. I have no reason to be in with the chargers and then I have no way to start being sports. You take that, you take that thing away and there's nothing there. So what it goes to say is I am not the kind of, speaker if you will that would portray that you can figure out how to be successful in a year you can't yeah. like i'm not and that's not to say that nothing will happen in a year it's to say that if you expect you know if you started an agency like ours today yeah. it would yeah. not be where ours is in a year and if it is all power to you but i'm assuming that if that was the case you would still be a ways away from your vision you just maybe did it faster than i did which yeah. is also totally okay yeah. right like like there's no way to instantaneously achieve all these different things, right? Like, you know, for the first, on our one year anniversary, we had five people. That's how many we had. Our two year anniversary was two weekends ago. And as I said, we have 19. Mm -hmm. So slowly but surely, you know, 19 is not a lot compared to a lot of companies. A lot of agencies have, you know, you look at VaynerMedia, right? Gary's company, he's at 880 people. Yeah. 19, I'm, you know, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a pissant to, yeah. to Gary's company. You know, Gary's a good, Gary's a good friend of mine and has been, you know, uh, valuable. I wouldn't go as far as say he's been a mentor in my life, but you know, the meetings we've had have been very, very, very helpful to me. Yeah. Um, I think that's very important is surrounding yourself with, with minds that can help you. You know, I think, I think the problem is, and, and I don't, I don't mean to target anyone when I say this, but I think the problem is, is I think that what's happening is rather than entrepreneurship being built on passion for whatever the business is, I think entrepreneurship is being built on number one, the chase of money, mm-hmm. and number two, people that are that have narcissistic tendencies deciding I'm going to work for myself because everyone else is a moron. Mm-hmm. If you have either of those two thoughts, you have absolutely no chance. Like you just don't. 
Like, and if you somehow finagle it, I would love to meet you because I haven't seen it. Right. Like that's not to say that, that those components aren't maybe thought of by entrepreneurs, but if that's why, if that's your why, that's not a why that's a, that's a, that's a, because you see what I'm saying? Um, and, and so, especially with the, with the second one I said, right? Like the yeah. people that are a little bit too narcissistic, they're just like, I'm just gonna work for myself. Cause you know, I'm not working for someone else, whatever. Yeah, yeah. The problem is if you think that way, then odds are you're not likely to take advice from anyone. anyone. If I hadn't taken advice from anyone, I couldn't even, I probably would be working at Denny's across yeah. the street from my yeah. office. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, I, I don't know what I would be doing, uh, but I know that without certain, you know, sound bites and, and that's not even, and if, look, if you can't access these mentors, right, I know everyone can't go talk to Gary or to, you know, yeah. my uncle or anyone that I've talked to, just watch the content, you know, you can treat content as, you know, your content, for example, if you're a young entrepreneur, you can listen to this and you can learn a lot potentially. Amen. That's Absolutely. all you need. And the point isn't to learn about someone else's story It's to, it's, it's hopefully as I'm telling my story, my voice becomes white noise and you start to take little things of what I'm saying and you're like, how am I going to apply that to my own thing? Right? Like that's the point of how you receive mentorship over content. Right. Um, and, and I just think that there's too many entrepreneurs, entrepreneurs that like the word entrepreneur is, is a funny way of saying unemployed. It used to, you know, comedian used to make the joke, like being a comedian is, is a funny way of saying you're unemployed. Now saying entrepreneur is also kind of a funny way of saying it in a lot of cases. Hey there, young aspirers. I wanted to take a break here and just talk to you about how I started my podcast. So starting a podcast can be quite daunting. You gotta figure out camera equipment, you gotta figure out sound, microphone, background, lighting, and that can be hard to think of. But when I found Blossom Media Studio, they made it so easy for me to just focus on what I actually care about, which is speaking to my guests on a weekly basis. Everything from pre to post production gets taken care of. All I have to do is do what I enjoy, show up and record. So big thanks to Blossom Media Studio. Now let's get back to the episode. Yeah, I think in many ways there's a vulnerability around entrepreneurship now because there's all, these, there's all these courses and seminars and everything being sold online. And the biggest thing I see that I'm fascinated to change is people when they're 16 to 24, 25 are getting taught based on somebody else's dream, e-commerce, yeah. real estate, sales. And I always get on calls with people, I'm like, so what is your passion? And 10 minutes after having asked that question, we figure out their passion is nothing to do with with what they initially told me. And it's like, well, that's why you're not selling. That's why you're not growing. That's why you're not doing it because you're trying to build personal brands based on what somebody else has achieved because that's their passion. You know, and exactly. I think there's a huge vulnerability around that. And one of the biggest things I love about you and what you've said today and, and obviously doing my research into you before this is everything you've done has surrounded your passion first and foremost. The money has come. You figured out business ventures from that. You figured out how to build your empire from that. But at the end of the day, you're so passionate waking up every day, it seems like, with what you do and the relationships you're building and the opportunity. I mean, you're involved with the charges. That's a lifelong dream of yours. Yeah. That in itself, I think, is the biggest value. And when you talk about mentorship and learning that anybody can pick up from this, do what you love because it's possible. And if you do that, you'll be 100 times more successful than trying to follow somebody else's dream. It's, it's, it goes even past that. I mean, you're 100% right. But, you know, there's a great, uh, I want to say Steve Jobs, great Steve Jobs quote. It says, if you start a business, like truly start a business, not just like, oh, I'm going to, you know, do this little thing for an hour a day. But if you really yeah. start a business and it's not something you're passionate about, I think you're clinically insane. 
that was like one of his one of his quotes something along those lines i know insane was a word you know whatever it may be the reason is is because if you're going to spend 21 hours a day doing something number one you're going to burn out if you don't actually love it but number two if if you worked 21 hours a day at minimum wage in your state of california minimum wage is 1575 right 1575 times 21 you'd be making 325 bucks a day basically you know give or take yeah. that's a, you know 325 bucks a day seven days a week that's what entrepreneurship is that's twenty two hundred dollars uh that's twenty two hundred dollars a week which is then about a little less that's about nine thousand a month which is a hundred eight thousand a year that's at minimum wage so the amount of time and effort you put in to be an entrepreneur at minimum wage is worth one hundred eight thousand. And and here's the worst part is I guarantee when you're starting out you're not making one hundred eight thousand. Not even not you're probably not making eight thousand. <laughs> might be in debt. <laughs> you might, you're probably in debt, right? And, and and you know and that is such a such a tough thing to do if you're not passionate. Like you'll give up. You, you know why not? Why wouldn't you give up? I don't even blame you for giving up. It's yeah. like, I more so blame you for starting. It's yeah. like, why Why did you do that? Yeah. Because every entrepreneur has to have, I think as well, um, just to go back to school for a second. When I was at Fordham, I was studying entrepreneurship. And as I'm le- listening to the teachers in these classes and, and doing these different things, I'm thinking to myself, I think that learning entrepreneurship, if you're learning tactics to be a better entrepreneur, that's one thing. Yeah. I think trying to make a, a kid an entrepreneur who's not born with certain ideologies, I, there's no way. I think you have to be born with it to a certain extent, mm-hmm. not to be successful. But the average person, if you get a close look at an entrepreneur's life, it is odd. Like no matter who you are, whether you're me or my uncle, who are in very different situations, yeah. right? Like, no matter who you look at, it's a bit odd, right? It's like okay. So other people are financially dependent on you, but they're not your kids. They're not your family. They're sort of your family, but they're not really your family, yeah, right? Yeah. You have your work. You have the, as Gary says, the audacity to decide you're working for yourself in a world where 99.5% of people work for companies and other people. Yeah. So everything you're doing is going against the grain. You're taking financial risk greater than that of the average individual. And so everything's a bit uncomfortable. But the key comes in where entrepreneurs feel comfortable in that state. And in fact, you actually feel uncomfortable not in that state. The the most uncomfortable I have felt in my life, I'm almost 21 now, so not a crazy long life, but the most uncomfortable I have felt in my whole life was April of 2018 until September of 2018, which was as I was phasing out the YouTube and I didn't know what was next. Yeah. I had, uh, I had, you know, a lot of money saved up. I was traveling constantly to meet up with these athletes and just for the sake of traveling. And, yeah. you know, I, I, that was when I first started partying because I didn't party at all in high school. So yeah. when I was traveling, I was going to the clubs with these you know, yeah. athletes, yeah. even though I was underage, just because I was with, you know, yeah. one of the city's biggest athletes or whatever it was. And as fun as that may sound to the average person, like going and clubbing with D'Angelo Williams in Memphis when you're 17 years old, <laughs> that was as uncomfortable as I ever felt in my whole life. He knows that. All my close friends and family know that. I know that. But that would be the peak of a lot of people's, you know, like if you're a diehard football fan like yeah, that. Yeah. It's just a different way of looking at things. And, I, and that's where I was sitting in school. I'm thinking to myself, like, not only do I think that what you're teaching me is incorrect, 
but I'm being taught by someone who's never done it. What do you know about entrepreneurship? You were hired to teach it. Like, have you started a business? No. Then why am I learning entrepreneurship from you when I can go learn it from Gary Vee on YouTube for free? Amen. Amen. And I think looking at the bigger picture here, that moment that you talked about when you were in that phase, like like you said, that'd be the ideal. That'd be the peak for anyone's life. And I think people look at, and I know this because I went to college for two years as well. I don't have a degree either. Um, okay. And everything I speak to and when I speak to people that are in college of my age, it's like, these are the best years of your life. They don't get better than this. And they get stuck. Isn't that the saddest thing you've ever heard? That's the saddest thing I've ever heard. <laughs> the saddest thing I could ever hear. And and it's crazy because as much as I tried for, for six months, year, whatever it's been, still try at times to fight that behavior and switch that mindset. Like there's so much potential for you to create this unbelievable life for yourself. Why can you not see that? And what I've realized is so often I think it's external influence. You know, I've oh, been fortunate sure. that my family's pushed me always to do anything and everything I want and go after your dreams. But the reality is what I'm realizing, 99 and a half, like you talk about, percent of people aren't pushed to do that. They're pushed no. to just get in this wheel of, I went to college, it was the best experience of my life, you're going to love it. Everything else fucking sucks after college and you're going to get in this job and that's what you're going to do. And I'm fascinated to understand, like, what do you think it is that, that can change that mindset? Is it getting influenced by these people? Is it becoming some worldwide powerhouse that, that builds a, a, an influence around you. What is it to you that that instigates that mindset of, of the the 99% of young people? I mean, look, I mean, I think I think it's really easy to, to almost take a cliche to it and say, oh, I want to have a legacy, right? Yeah. But at the same time, I, I had the rare opportunity, and I'm well aware of the opportunity, to grow up under someone else's legacy you know a lot you know growing up with the last name that i have in in las vegas yeah it was like 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 things would appear that i'm like why is this an opportunity for me i didn't even deserve this but it's because of a legacy that was left for me so i think you know for, from a base level yeah sure i would love to leave a legacy similar for my kids um but at the same time i i think what's so important is understanding I'll give you I'll, I'll give you a good reference right like when Matthew McConaughey won whatever the movie awards are called or I always forget Oscars I do as well huh? <laughs> right? whatever whatever awards it is he gave a speech and he said someone asked me who my hero was and I told him it's me in 10 years and then they came to me 10 years later and they said so are you are you are you your hero now he said I'm probably the 15 year old me's hero but I'm not my hero my hero's is 35 year old me and so on and so forth. And so I think what I want more than anything is, is to just have a life that when I'm on my deathbed, I'm like, I really don't feel like I missed out on anything. I really think I did it right. And you know, that also doesn't mean that I did it right in the context of what everyone else thinks. Yeah. It's more so like, that is a selfish thing. That's like a, can I be on my deathbed happy with what I did? Yeah. Like if, you know, Billy from, you know, Kansas is, is not happy with what I did. That's okay. But are my friends, are my family, and am I? And most importantly, am I? Like on your deathbed, you're the only one that's going to die. You know, your, your friends and family and everybody else that you may have talked to and stuff are not going to die. That's just you. Amen. So are you doing the things that you're going to be proud of when you're on your deathbed? You're like, and, and you know, your, your grandson may come up to you or granddaughter may come up to you and say, what's the most important thing that you did? You know, for me, I think that thing is going to be 
um, something along the lines of the culture that I built. Not only in the context of my business, but there's a there's a culture within like the friends that I have and the people that I associate with. Like, mm. I, I think I almost wanted to feel like when you text me, you know that I will be there, even if I don't know you that well. Like, yeah. you, like oh, I don't know if you have my number. I'll give it to you after the show. But like, if you said, you know, I need something, I would love to be able to do that. You know, if and, and if I, you yeah. know, if I can't for some reason, you know, whatever. Yeah. But like, I would love to be that person that's like you were there for other people in whatever capacity you could as often as you could. And, uh, and Love it. you know, it's something that I care a lot about. You know, I'm actually director of something called the Covard Challenge now, uh, where I also sit on the advisory board. It's yeah. one of the largest art um, philanthropic activations that's ever taken place. It starts in January 1st. And basically what it is, is all these large, large artists that are, are well-known in the art community, like they have pieces to sell for hundreds of thousands of dollars. We got a lot of them to donate a piece. We partnered with United Way and a couple other large charities. And we want to feed, feed, educate, and provide, uh, uh, like, uh, I almost said liquid, uh, like beverage, like water, whatever it may be, yeah. uh, for, for 30 days for like 100,000 kids in Africa. I think that's the exact goal of, of the wow. campaign. If I said it correctly, I kind yeah. of reversed the order of how I normally <laughs> say it. So um, I might have gotten that a little bit off. But, um, you know, it's things like that that I'm like, at the end of the day, like, you know, I've been very, very lucky because I've always tried being the best. I've, like I said, I paid taxes when I was 12 years old. I've, all, I've never really had to worry about finances on my own. And that's separate from my parents. You know, I bought my own car at 16. I bought my own new car at 20. You know, I got my own homes, you know. Um, you know, whatever it was, I was always able to do. And I think that is so interesting because I think one of the biggest misconceptions about me is like, oh, you're Steve's nephew. You had it all on a platter. It's like, to an extent, you're not even wrong, it, but it's why you think I had it all on a platter that makes you wrong. Like you think that I was given money and given no pressure to succeed and everything like that. I promise you, I have as much pressure to succeed as anyone. I have to live up to the name of someone who's in the Forbes 400. <laughs> that is a lot of pressure as an entrepreneur. Yeah. And I dropped out of college. You know, he went to an Ivy League school. I dropped out of college. Um, and, I, and I didn't even drop out of an Ivy League one. I dropped out of Fordham University. It's okay. <laughs> you know, it's a regular yeah. business. It's, yeah. a re, it's a regular deep, solid business school, you know. Yeah. Um, but the one thing that I did have, and the reason I say that I did have handed to me to an extent, is I had support and I had knowledge. And those two things made it so that way I could do the things that I wanted to do in my own way with the right base, Amen. you know, yeah. and that, and that, that was really it. And so I'm very, very, uh, you know, lucky for that. And, uh, you know, hopefully in some capacity, what I had in my family, my content and the, the interviews yeah. like this that I do and whatever it may be, hopefully that translates to other people. I think yeah. there's a huge thing that we're seeing here, I and mean, you talked about it just then when you were talking about the McConaughey story, and and I had David Meltzer on my podcast, and, and he said this okay. as well, and, and Gary Gary talks about it as well. I'm, the consistent pursuit of your highest potential is everything you should be striving for. Yeah, David told me that on his podcast, and it was one of the most mind-blowing things, because it's like there's no real end goal, but you're constantly chasing you. You're constantly chasing your best self, and that in itself creates this unbelievable impact like we talked about unbelievable yeah. influence and it takes everything that people picture entrepreneurship about takes it out of the window money fame all of that stuff no it's a consistent pursuit of following everything that you're passionate about and for you for gary it's obviously buying the jets for for david Meltzer, i don't believe i i recall what he said it was 
what would that potential be for you? I know you said culture, but your best potential, your true self in 10 years time, what would that be? Well, in 10 years time, I'll only be 30 years old. So hopefully, hopefully, it's got ages. <laughs> well, hopefully I, I, I don't peak out at 30. That would be uh, unfortunate. On your deathbed um, then. I, I will tell you too, just, just so you know, I, I don't actually have to run at 3.30 anymore. Um, cool. But uh, I, I would say it's probably not one you'll hear from a normal entrepreneur. It more so roots back to my childhood. You know, I have a relationship with my dad now. Um, you know, and, and, and I get to see him and everything, but, you know, my parents got divorced at a young age and, you know, my mom taught me how to throw a football. And originally I thought I was going to go to the NFL. Like, that's what I was going to do. I like, like some of my teammates from when I played football are now like at D one's colleges. Like that, I was really committed to football. Like, you know, I actually got a college offer when I was in eighth grade. Like I was going to go to play college football, try to go in the NFL. Yeah, That was it. Like I was so into football. Like that's all I did. Um, and, you know, my mom sacrificed everything for me. She became a single mom when I was seven years old. Um, and when I say sacrificed everything, I, I wouldn't even so much say it was financial as as compared to what it was in terms of how supportive she was mm-hmm. for anything. I mean, I had some of the dumbest ideas you probably think of, and she was supportive. <laughs> and I, I want to be a father more than anything. Like, yeah. to be honest with you, when I have a kid, I probably won't do a lot of work for the first, from the time that the, that my child is, like, three to 14 i probably won't be working a lot like i want to be a parent not, i don't i'm not saying i'm gonna be a stay-at-home dad yeah but i want to be the coach of every team i want to you know be at every you know i want to be the parent that's in the school i want you know whatever it is that's what i want to do I and i think that if my kid feels like or kids feel like i was a good father my wife feels like i was a good husband and my grandkids feel like i was a good grandparent like that's i care a lot more about that than the business because i, I you know and not in like a braggadocious manner like i hope it doesn't come across that way but like if it was about the money i would retire now i'm 20 i could be done forever yeah. you know yeah i could i could sell this and and, and just be done yeah. and and focus on traveling and sitting around partying and go have kids early and whatever. Like, I don't want to do that. I want to let life run its course. But um, the most important thing to me will be like when I have my own family, for sure. Is that what pushes you every day now to continue to pursue what you're yeah, doing? 100%. Like, like, I would love if, let's say my kid wants to be, uh, like, let's say my kid loves, I'm trying to think of like something that, like, let's just say they have a passion about something that doesn't translate to a lot of money. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't want them to be discouraged from chasing that passion because they need to go get a nine to five and they need to have a job. It's not to say I want a lazy kid, but I want my kid to essentially live a life that I was able to live. Like, it, I thought, I, I almost consider myself, consider myself lucky that I, entrepreneurship is largely what I'm passionate about because yeah. it just so happens that my passion does indirectly translate to wealth, yeah. like financial wealth, right? Yeah. But that's not, that might not be the case for my children, but I don't want them to be limited for that because they need, you know, financial wealth. I, I would provide that. I would literally be like, here's money. Like, I don't care yeah. because to me, that's not, that's not, that's not giving someone anything. Like, yeah, I understand the value of a dollar and how it's hard for other people to you know, potentially earn that. And they'd be like, well, this kid has everything. I'm like, that's okay. That's my kid. I want yeah. them to have everything. Yeah. You know, yeah. that's why I'm working so hard now. That's why I'm 20 years old and I'm not partying in college. I'm 20 years old and I'm 
working 23 hours a day. It's yeah. setting myself up so that way I can have a kid that gets to have whatever life they want. Because I honestly do have whatever life I want. It just so happens that this is the life I want. Yeah, yeah. Have you thought about the, the adverse effects of that potentially? Like you talked about, like they have everything. They've been given everything. The attitude that sometimes could come with that, the mindset that sometimes could come with that. Well, I, I wouldn't give them, I wouldn't just give them everything. I, I would I would more so make it like a, look, like the components that you, whatever you were passionate about, yeah. as long as that passion is being exercised, right. the things that you may need to go along with that will be, right? If you want to start, if I have a kid that wants to be an entrepreneur, like I would love to buy buy him or her their first LLC, Yeah. right? They might yeah. not have $678 to go do it because they might not have been reselling sneakers they were 11 years old. Yeah. I don't expect yeah. my kids to do anything for money at 11 years yeah. old. I didn't, because that's the thing is I didn't do it for money at 11 years old. Um, so, you know, I mean, obviously there's a, there's a, there's, there's sure there's a give and take there. Yeah. Um, but I, I want them to have a life where whatever they're passionate about, they're so passionate about it and they're so focused on it that the other components that may need to go along with that will be at their disposal. That's yeah. more so how I would, I would put that. Right. Do you have any other passions, Blake, now that you're thinking about getting into that, that go beyond sports and marketing in that realm? Uh, I'm very passionate about politics. Like I, like I mentioned, uh, yeah. you know, running for mayor in 2023 is when the next election is. It, yeah. it is really seriously on my radar. Yeah. Um, education, I'm really passionate about. That's that's honestly why I want to run for mayor. Yeah. Is that is, you know, Nevada has the 48th. I mean, they might be 47th now because they come out with the new rankings every year, and I haven't checked, but they're either for, they're bottom five in the world. But we have Las Vegas one of the biggest booming cities right now we just got you know sports teams and you know so many publicly traded companies are basically based out of here you know we have no state income tax there's so much to like in nevada yeah. and specifically vegas you know there's no brutally cold winters the summers there's no humidity it's hot but it's, at least it's not humid i mean yeah. there's so many nice things about las vegas that i think it could be a lot stronger i think that Without getting too political, I think that the, the biggest problem that exists right now in politics is the fact that everyone is either one way or the other way. And the problem with that and the reasoning, more importantly, the reasoning I think that that is, is because people are being educated about, number one, the wrong things, and they're being educated in a way where facts are being misrepresented. I'm not yeah. talking about like media and stuff like that. Like I'm more so talking about like, when you're in school, you don't understand things like healthcare and taxes and 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 you know so on and so forth because you're too busy learning about Marco Polo and the Silk Road. <laughs> but I assure you, unless you go on to teach Marco Polo and the Silk Road, you will not need that in your life. Yeah. Um, you know, you don't understand how credit works, and so you're upside down. You don't understand how taking loans works. You don't know how to buy a house. You don't know how to properly figure out if you can afford a certain college. You know, there's so many things that you're not learning that you're not being set up for proper success. And so now you have to take an example from both sides of the spectrum. You have one side of the spectrum that doesn't want to provide people with healthcare. Yeah. To me, that's lack of education. And you have people that want college and healthcare and other things like that for free, which also I think boils down to not understanding what the ramifications of either of those things would be. Yeah. I think politics and the world as a whole would be in such a better place if everyone I think in a not disrespectful way, had a better understanding of exactly how things actually work, right? Um, 
and 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 so you know hopefully i could help lead that charge in las vegas and yeah. you know maybe later in life go for larger political offices i love it i love it in terms of this i like this i'm fascinated by this education piece because i've always thought that as well it's the reason i I left college, I didn't feel like I was learning anything. You go to college to get this degree, you're still taking general classes and you're learning about, it's like that saying, it's like, I don't know how to buy a house or, or build my credit, but thank God I know the Pythagorean theorem. Like it's right. such BS and I'm fascinated by it as well. So what would be your sort of goals? Would it be to, is it trans, to transform this education system and have these things taught? The education system needs to be transformed, but it needs to be transformed for a few ways. One of the things that you mentioned uh, maybe five to ten minutes ago was external, uh, what do you call it, external influences yeah. on your life, right? So many people feel like this, the deck is stacked against them. And when I say feel, ac feel accurately feel this way, that the deck is stuck against them. They don't, you know, they come from a, a bad family or a bad area or whatever it may be. But why aren't teachers like, 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 like coaches, like like counselors, like people that can be there for you. So like the personality type that a teacher is, I think should be improved. I also don't think that teachers should be, I think teachers are wildly underpaid. You know, it's it's hard Just because- Just to touch on that. Do you think that's where the lack of passion comes in? Being a teacher is a regular job. You don't really need a degree for it in the public, you know, maybe to be at a nice private school, you might need a degree mm -hmm. in teaching or something like that. But it's a regular nine to nine to four or eight, seven to four, whatever it is for a lot of people being a teacher, like you are shaping these kids and you don't care. And that's a problem. You know, I mean, you could be, you are so many kids that are in those situations that I'm talking about, their escape from those situations is school, except school isn't that different in those situations because the teachers don't feel a sense of entitlement in what they're doing. Yeah. The students therefore don't care about what they're doing. And why should they care? They're learning so many things that everything is telling them, hey, this is never going to matter. So it's like, yeah, I got an F on my medieval history test, but also like, I'm okay failing that, you know? Yeah. And I, I don't even approach this through an entrepreneurial lens because I think that, you know, it's very easy to say, well, school makes everyone feel like an employee instead of an entrepreneur, you know, instead of being someone who's in charge of their own destiny and yeah. things of that nature. But, you know, I, I don't think that's fair to say either because most people don't want to be entrepreneurs. Most people don't have that in them. I mean, sure, they'd want to maybe make the money or have or create the innovations yeah. that I see you know people like Elon Musk doing. Yeah, but they don't want to take financial risk. They may not even be in a position to take financial risk. Yeah, right. They are going to go on to be employees, and the world needs employees. You know, some of the you know technically CEOs are employees of of companies. You know, there's nothing. Uh, never mind nothing against being an employee. That is what the world does, is they're an employee. But when you are an employee, do you understand that you're, you are in charge of your own happiness, right? Things like that. Like, Amen. you're not taught any of those things in school. Yeah. Um, you know, at the same time, you see Patrick Mahomes, half a billion dollars in his new contract. You know, I'm not saying teachers should get half a billion dollars, right? Yeah. Like, of course, of course not 500 billion, <laughs> or a million, excuse me. But, you know, what? The average teacher's salary is what forty five thousand dollars. Like the average manager at a McDonald's, their average salary is a hundred thousand. So you're telling me it's more important that the manager of, of McDonald's properly leads the people looking to him for guidance, as in the other employees, yeah. compared to a teacher that's shaping the minds of our future. 
you're telling me that the McDonald's manager's job is more impactful to the future of the country and of the city and of the world uh, than that. I, I don't agree. That's not to take anything away from that manager at McDonald's. That's just to say that education needs more of an emphasis. Teachers need to be more valued. Um, and I also think that companies should take a larger involvement. I've always thought to myself, like, if I was Jeff Bezos, and I'm sure he has a reason for this, and yeah. maybe I'll figure that out as my company gets larger, but yeah. I've always thought to myself, like, like, why wouldn't he create Amazon University? You go for two years, you learn about whatever field it is you want to learn, like a college, and you're guaranteed a job in that organization after two years of college slash training in that field. Because I guarantee you, number one, that's way stronger. If you went to Amazon University and worked at Amazon for two years, I guarantee you your upside would be larger than graduating from the University of... Yeah. Whatever, yeah. right? Maybe Ivy League school might be separate, but the University of, you know, where I went, Fordham. Yeah. Just that way I don't offend anybody. We'll say Fordham, <laughs> right? Um, like that would be more valuable. Why don't, why aren't large companies more involved in education, right? Here in Las Vegas, I know this, like the Wynn Resorts employs so many people that don't go to college. At 18, they're done with high school. They need a job. They go work at Wynn. They start as lifeguard. By the time they're 30, they're a director of something. By the time they're 40, they're, you know, not quite an executive, but they probably have a strong position if they've been there for 20 years. It is not that hard to work your way up Win. Yeah. I'm thinking to myself, for how much of a reliance Win has on getting their new hires like this, why wouldn't they invest a little bit of money into the public education system here in Las Vegas? That way the government doesn't necessarily have to support it, but there's an opportunity where it can be paid for and improved. And in turn, that'll improve. You'll have, they'll end up with smarter, employees that are happier so they're more likely to be able to put their pay secondary and put your vision as an entrepreneur first or as a company or as a in that case you know yeah. you're talking about you know 25 billion dollar corporation but yeah. whatever it is the world as a whole would be better and it all starts with education how's the world going to get any better if you don't try to fix things until people are in their mid-30s it's i'm not saying it's too late but why not get it right when they're seven I'm going to play devil's advocate for a second. Yeah. So you up the pay for these teachers, you plow some more money into the public education system. To the general population of lazy mindset, find the highest paying job, look it up on Google, what's the highest paying job. Teacher starts to go up that list. People figure, oh, it's easy to become a teacher. They have no passion, they don't feel like it's their calling, and now they dive into teacher for the salary. Then there's the adverse effect and that becomes a problem. What? Where's the balance? I don't think I, with the way that entrepreneurship is changing, I think largely if you're really motivated by money, you're probably not going to go get a job at all. And I'm not saying I'm going to make teachers earn $750,000 a year, right? Like you, if you care about money that much, you still should go to Wall Street. You still should be a doctor. You still should be a lawyer. But teacher will inch its way closer to that as opposed to being comparable to you know, a shift, a shift supervisor at an art supply store. That's more so what I'm saying, right? Yeah. Yeah. So I don't think it becomes something that you do just for chasing money um, because there are so many other jobs that pay comparable that aren't as intense. That being said, I think that the hiring process needs to be better for teachers. Um, you know, I think that I think that schools should be run like businesses, not in terms of being for profit, but in terms of the head of school should be like the CEO that makes sure that there is a culture, right? If you make sure there's a culture, 
all of the concerns that you may be able to provide, a lot of them go out the window. And I'm saying that based on not only seeing what I've been able to do in my own culture here, but I learned a lot of the principles about building a culture from my uncle who did it with 260,000 employees around the world. And I've seen the same thing. Um, and so I think that if you're able to create workplace culture, in the case of the education system, I think doing that would be more than possible. You get yeah. the right people in the right places. Um, and, and look, exactly what I said, right? You pay them more. The point isn't to pay them more so you get all these money-crazed little you know, kids trying to do this, right? You pay them more so that way, instead of worrying about money, as I've said a few times, money becomes secondary. Now it's just about actually what you're doing for those days. Yeah. Um, and, and teachers are very worried about their financial situation right now, which is which it shouldn't be that way. Yeah. How do you then, let's talk a little bit about culture. How do you as a leader, as a young leader in your space, influence and create that culture? Is it caring? What What do you see as in, as it's, 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 it's way more than just listing, you know, different things like caring and listening and, you know, and those are important. You know, those are very, very, very important. It's not to, you know, discount those things, but what systems can you put in place that legitimately create a culture? I'll give you some, I'll give you a couple of examples from stuff that we do. Yeah. So we do this thing on every Tuesday at 10 AM, we have an internal meeting and it's called our storytelling meeting. I learned this concept actually from Steve. When is the only other company in the world besides this agency that I know of that does this? Right. There might be others and I hope there are. But when we first started, it was like rather than start an employee of the month thing, rather than start, you know, something where all of a sudden I'm going to have all, all of our team members trying to do something over the top right in front of me as like a teacher's pet. I don't want that. Mm -hmm. I want to know that you actually care and I want to provide a way for you to feel satisfaction and a boost in your self-esteem by acting individually with a client with a talent you know with a potential lead whatever it may be so we created this concept called storytelling where we sit down and I say anyone got a story to tell and the point is is you tell a story about something you did that's not in your job description necessarily or it's a little above and beyond but you just tell the story and everyone's listening and you know for you know for the better stories you know for the good stories you know we've given away you know tickets to big games or concerts or, you know, hey, take a couple days off or, hey, go do this, hey, go do, this, you know, whatever it is. So there's, you know, there's ability to be rewarded, but a lot of times it's not even the case. A lot of times it's, you know, these people telling stories and we've had some great stories told, mm -hmm. some unbelievable stories. But now when great stories are told, everyone wants to up that story. They want to have the best story. So now, Instead of me just having this vision and sitting here like, oh, okay, like I have my own company and all this shit, right? I have 18 people that feel like this is their company and 18 people trying to tell a story next Tuesday. And that is really, really powerful. Um, le leveraging, I keep saying leveraging, but it is, you, yeah. you know, lever leveraging one's self-esteem in such a manner that it's theirs. And when I keep saying, this is theirs, this is theirs. It's not to say like, oh, this is theirs, but like deep down, like I'm getting really rich and everyone's, you know, doing all this stuff. Yeah. I'm the lowest paid person in my company, proudly. Reason being, this isn't about me. This is for everyone, right? I, we, I say it all the time. The most common phrase that comes out of my mouth when I talk about my company 
is that this is not my company. This is the ultimate group project. That's what it is. The oldest person here, with the exception of our lawyer, with the exception of our accountant, is 27 years old. The youngest person is we have one intern, and then I have a 20-year-old, and then I'm an older 20-year-old than yeah. that. <laughs> um, and, and that's it. So we're all the same age. And we do an unbelievable amount of culture development. You know how like you go work at a company and like maybe yeah. once a year they take everyone to an escape room to team yeah. build. Yeah. Right? We every Friday, we you know we stop the office a little early. Everyone comes to my house. We swim. I have my pool heated. We hang out. We have a good time. You know when it was our two year anniversary, a lot of companies probably would do a dinner. We made it a three day over the top extravagant first day rented a yacht went boating got jet ski got a whole thing or not just uh i said jet ski, uh tubes you know whole thing next day i got a penthouse at uh, one of the hotels here at the wind we had it catered in the room we were playing all these different games and so you do stuff like that and you never really know exactly what it will translate to on a balance sheet right what i do know is that on september 25th to 27th was this two-year weekend right we did all this crazy stuff next week we get back and the Wednesday of that week, we moved offices. We had a great, uh, we had a great opportunity where we're actually now in an office that's four times larger than our last office. Wow. And so we moved offices. And so in five days, we celebrated two years in business. We moved to a larger office. Everyone is so motivated. You know, in the last week, we've made more money in the last week as a company. Well, it's Thursday of 15. So last 11 days, we've made more money in the last 11 days as a company than we had ever made in any month previous. Wow. The reason I say that is because, and, that, and that's common that these things happen because we're constantly boosting morale amongst the entire group of people that are here. And because we do so, the quality of work just goes up. The motivation just goes up. You know, like I'll have I'll see, it'll be 11 o'clock at night, I'm sitting in bed doing something and I'll see, I'll see Ishan Verma adds a meeting to the company calendar for the next day. I'm like, he's scheduling meetings at 11 o'clock. He's yeah. one of our, you know, he's one of our salespeople. Yeah. You know, why is he doing this at 11 o'clock? He's paid eight to four. Yeah. It's because he wants to do it, right? Yeah. And when he comes on Tuesday, he's going to talk about how, hey, I got a hold of this company that I think would be a great fit out of Hong Kong. They can only talk at 11.45 at night. I took the call. They want to be a client. That's an unbelievable thing to be able yeah. to do. Yeah. Um, and, that, and that's why we have this company that on paper makes almost no sense. But in reality, is, 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 you know, it's, it, we're doing really neat things. I think that's absolutely fascinating. So that's just one example is the storytelling and, and the, yeah, the kind of yeah. team morale boosters. But, um, you know, there's quite a few things we do like that. I think that's absolutely fascinating. And not just that, but I think adversely sort of going off of that storytelling realm, that's bringing people closer to each other in itself because the vulnerability that sometimes, I guess, comes with that and the connection yeah. that people feel from that is continuing to build that. Oh, my God. I think that's phenomenal. You're, and you're allowed to tell a story about someone else. You don't have to tell a story about yourself. I encourage you to tell a story about yourself. I want you to feel proud telling that story. Yeah. But you don't have one. That's okay. I don't want you to make someone up, right? You know, I all the time, I, I, ne I almost never tell stories about myself. That's the one That's the one difference, yeah. right? I tell stories that I observe of them. Yeah. And I tell them after everyone else is gone because I'm like, why didn't you guys bring these things up? It's because they didn't even think that that was above and beyond. I noticed it as above and beyond as CEO. They didn't even think it was above and beyond as someone who's trying to create that. Yeah. They told a different story, which yeah. was which is unbelievable. And then to double down on it, 
this is kind of the last part of maybe the culture I'll, that I would, I mean, I'll share as much as you want, but um, that way we don't ramble on about the, the culture stuff. But I wanted to make sure that this was working. I wanted to say, you know, yeah, we, we're hearing some great stories. You know, the numbers are great. Everything seems good. But how do I know that this culture is as powerful as I think it is? So I sat down with Brock, who, like I said, is COO. Mm-hmm. I said, how do we show this? We came up with an interesting idea. We came up with the idea of offering unlimited paid days off. Pretty rare for a small business that's two years in. But here's what I said. I said, what I want to know is that if you're here, you chose to be here. If you're here at 8 a.m. as you're supposed to be, you chose to wake up, you chose to drive here, you wanted to be here because you could have slept in, you could have come late, you didn't have to show up at all, and you would have still gotten the exact amount of money that you're going to get if you show up. And when we started that, on average, each person missed previously like 1.1 days a month is what it worked out to. When we rolled out this concept, now it averages 0.45. So people miss less once we started offering on them because they're like, okay, I want to, I want to, I want, whether it's they want me to know that they care enough to show up, whether it's that they care enough, regardless of the reasoning, everyone's always here. So when I walk in and I, you know, I say good morning to everyone, or, you know, they walk in say good morning, if I was here first, whatever it may be, there's a part of me deep down that it's just, I, I, you know, I'm just so elated that they're even here. It's like, you didn't even have to show up today. Yeah. You literally did not have to show up. Yeah. And you're here and it's 7.55 a.m. You're going to be here for the next eight hours and we're going to all fucking kill it together. It's going to be great. I love it. And it's really a neat, neat experience. I love it. These people that you employ and that you hire, what is your, what is your, is it an in-depth hiring process? What is your belief in terms of the knowledge? Extremely in-depth. Yeah. Extremely in-depth, but very non-traditional. Every person that I've hired goes through a six-week internship program. That internship program can either be paid or it can be in exchange for uh, class credit. The only reason you can't do both is because if you pay someone and offer them credit, the school can't give them credit because it was paid. So let them choose. And you go through a six-week internship program where one week of each of the six weeks, you do a different component of the business. Content creation, operations, lead generation, sales, um, excuse me, uh, editing, uh, and uh, and then the last week of the internship program, you create a presentation to give to the rest of the team as to if this was your company, what would you add to it, right? So that's our internship process. process. So we get a glimpse of, is this person good at this, at this, at this, at this, at this, nothing, or do they have a really good idea that maybe we can hire them and they can implement it? Yeah. So everyone that we've brought on has gone through the six-week internship program. So when they actually officially start their first day as an employee or, you know, as a part of the actual team, not only do they, not only are they doing what they're probably best at, but they also have a respect and an understanding for what everyone else does, which is so important. Mm -hmm. Um, And so, you know, our lead generation people, they know how to create content. And they also know what the people who they ask to create content for, if they need help, with a lead, like, Hey, I need a deck for what blah, blah, right. They know exactly what's going to, what they're asking of, of that person. Yeah. If that person couldn't do it, God forbid they could do it. And you end up with a really talented team. Like, again, doesn't make sense on paper. We only have six people that have that are either in or graduated from college out of 19. Doesn't matter. They went, everyone went to what we call the college of B win sports, the six week internship program. That's all you need to be really good at this business. That's phenomenal. That is absolutely brilliant. 
Well, <laughs> if there was anything to, to, yeah, no, that's, I think that's fascinating for our audience and for the people that listen here. It's like, stop listening to those that are telling you, you need X, Y, and Z to do X, Y, and Z. You don't. You can. Well, I'll tell you the, the number one thing that uh, I always say, like, you know, I feel like every entrepreneur tries to, you know, have their own little quote or whatever it may be, their little piece of advice, right? Yeah. yeah. Mine I give the same one. If anyone ever asks me, what's your one piece of advice you give? My biggest answer is you don't have to do things the normal way to do things the right way. And I think that our company embodies that very effectively. You know, we don't, we don't, we don't, we don't I, I've never read a resume in my whole life. Yeah. You know, which is kind of odd. Like, I just, like, who cares? Yeah. Right. Like, I'm, I, I literally, I don't know if you're lying on that piece of paper. I'm definitely not going to call your past you know, whatever, because all I know is you're going to go through this six week internship program if you really want a job here. Right. Yeah. In that six week internship program, I will find out whatever flaws there are. I will find out what you're good at. I will find out what you're bad at. I'll find out if you're a fit or not. And we will go from there. So I don't need it. You know, I mean, we have our own process of, you know, figuring out what is and what isn't, if you yeah. will. So, yeah. um, you know, I, and I, I don't think it's normal to go through a six week internship program to figure out whether or not you get a job but it's and, right though and i think in many ways it's it's obviously you seeing if they're a fit but also it's testing if they even want to be with you because if they don't then what's the point oh, 100%. Of working with you? absolutely and you know even when it comes to recruiting the interns you know we've refined you know I'll, I'll tell you our last two the second to last group we had we brought in six interns and we only offered one job at the end of it and i just i i really i didn't i wasn't happy about that not because I thought that the group wasn't good. I mean, that's part of what it was, but I was like, you know, there's so many things that we need to do better in terms of who we actually give this internship to, Yeah. right? And so we refined our process a bit. I mean, that's so important. So our next group, which was our last group, we had three interns and all three are now here full-time, right? Wow. And so that is, it's to say that the number, you know, we, we spend so much time internally figuring out how to adapt and how to improve and how to refine the littlest things of our process. I mean, once a week, at least I sit down with everyone like individually and I'm like, tell me about 50 different things. And I will tweak two words of a, of an email that they sent. Like just as, just as Steve does, like I'm really into the details because I really do love this, you know? Mm -hmm. And I think that that is, uh, again, you know, I, I, to me, not doing things the normal way, but doing things the right way, I think we're doing that in the context of our own business. I think for a lot of businesses, that might make no sense. For us, it does. And, you know, hopefully all the ambitions that not only I have, but everyone here has are going to be able to come to you know, fruition in some way because of this. Well, it seems like in many ways you've done almost everything in reverse and that keeps it fun, that keeps it creative, that keeps yeah. it enjoyable. So if you were to say to somebody now, a young entrepreneur, I like to close it out with this, not even a young entrepreneur, somebody who's young and and doesn't know where they want to go. They don't know what they want to do, which is sadly a lot of people in this world of, of mine and your age, I'm 21, they just don't know. So what would you say to help them navigate, to help them figure that out? I would say do something every day for 14 hours a day. And if you do that every day for a year, I will give you $100,000. Like, I won't really. And that's not the point. The point is to say that just do what you actually want to do 
And what you'll realize is someone else will probably give you that $100,000, not even an investor, like your customer or whatever it may be. If it's a business, like, like seriously, like figure out what your passion is and build around that. My passion was football, business, and marketing. And what we do at B-Win Sports has never existed. A marketing agency that has the talent in-house, the press in-house, specializes in sports, but has the companies as the clients. Literally, we, I mean, we have competitors within each you know, aspect of what we do, but there's no overall company that competes with what we do because this company was created around my passion because I started by myself. And then I found people that had similar passions. We have some people that are really into sports. We have people that are really into marketing. We have people that are really into operations, right? Whatever their passion is, that's where they fit in, right? And so I think anything less of that, you're doing yourself a huge disservice. So I think find what you're passionate about. Find what you can spend 14 hours a day doing, regardless of what money comes in. If that's video games, stream, right? If that's video games, develop a video game, right? If it's video games and football and food i bet you could create a really cool sports bar that had football games on all the tvs a little gaming section where you maybe brought influencers in or you did whatever it is that you did and you brought in a kick-ass chef or you were that chef and your food was off the charts i guarantee you the business will be fine i think that's phenomenal i think what a way to close it out but to add to that i think people in many ways and this is a message to everybody listening don't think so linear is basically what you're saying. Yeah. People, I speak to, again, I speak to people all the time. Wait, wait, like, what do you want to do? And it's like, well, I want to do this. I had a guy the other day said, I want to be a magician. Okay, well, why don't you go and give being a magician and go, well, you don't get paid that much being a magician. You have to book these gigs and, and then you go up on stage. I'm like, you're thinking so one-dimensional. In this day and age, there are 50 things that you can do that relate to your magician's goals and, and being a magician. You can teach others to be a magician. You can start your own seminar. You can do exactly what you said and, and go get paid gigs where you charge your own prices. There's so many different things. And, and if there's anything that I don't want to keep it general and just say follow your passion, but follow your passion, but don't think of everything so so linear don't think of everything so one-dimensional like you've done you've been creative you've you've created so many different things you're the, the the most unique business in its world that you're the only one that's how unique it is i think that in itself is is a huge message that that we found today yeah i mean and, and look i mean like what you said with the with the with the magician like i would say all right so you need followers. You need, like, what is it that you need? Yeah, I want attention. Okay, so why don't you do this? Why don't you pretend to be paparazzi? You can figure out how to get 500 bucks, right? Or whatever it costs for you to fly to Los Angeles. Go to Los Angeles. Maybe you live there. Go to Los Angeles. Go to like, uh, what's it called? Uh, the ranch, the restaurant where all these big TikTokers hang out. Charlie D'Amelio, all these people hang out there, right? Pretend you're paparazzi and do some sleight of hand shit on the video. And then all of us, and Charlie DeMario is going to freak out. Take that video, put that on TikTok, put that everywhere else. I bet you'll make a lot of money. Then maybe they'll hire you to be like, hey, I'm having a birthday party. Like, I want you to come and pretend to just be one of the people there and just, you know, fuck with everyone with some magic stuff, right? I do that sometimes when I have parties. I hire magicians to just be a regular person there yeah. and then they'll do some crazy stuff. I do it with the athletes a lot and they yeah. go crazy, right? Like, yeah. Like little stuff like that. And I'm, I'm saying that one just based on like a personal experience, but like there is no like traditional way to do things anymore. Like I said, the, the right way and the normal way are, are two different things now. They are literally different. The normal way is no longer the right way because of how, because if you're doing things the normal way, someone else is doing them the right way. 
there's a reason that the two words are not the same word. <laughs> Amen. Amen. Well, Blake, that's an unbelievable way to close it out. Before we do, where can people find you? What have you got coming up? What do you want? Yeah. Um, so on, on Instagram at just underscore win, um, you know, you can follow my YouTube, which is, you know, Blake win. I, I don't post a lot on there anymore. Um, TikTok is the same as my Instagram. I've been, I've been, I've been posting on there a bit, <laughs> uh, you know, creating some comedy content on there. Cause I, you know, I, I always, I always didn't like school. And at the same time, I would always make people laugh with things I would say about school, like just like my friends. And so during quarantine, when, you know, we were in a little bit of a holding pattern. I was like, you know what, I'm going to, I'm going to give this TikTok thing a whirl. And so uh, I make like school related comedy content on there, like primarily. <laughs> yeah. um, and it's, and people seem to enjoy that. So if, if that's something up your alley, go for it. Um, it's, you know, some things you can expect to see, like I said, are potentially some, you know, political announcements in the future. Yeah. Um, you know, hopefully you can see some more of our clients, which you can find on our website. You can uh, see them grow. And when you see interesting marketing activations, know that, uh, you know, those are probably put on by us. And, you know, um, more than anything, if if there's anything that you took from this, that you have any further questions or you think that I could help, you know, I, I to this day, I'm really active in my DMs, trying to respond, trying to, you know, help in any way that I can. So don't, don't hesitate to reach out just because you think I won't respond. I probably will. Amen. Well, a man of value, a man of relationship. You've learned so much today. Blake, thank you. Thank you so much. Of course. Thank you. It's a great platform. <laughs> well, I appreciate that. Everybody else, you know what to do. Inspiring Young Aspirers podcast. You should have subscribed by now. We've had some incredible guests. We've had an amazing episode yet again today. So subscribe if you haven't. Leave us a review if you haven't. I've said it once. I've said it a million times. We're going straight to the very tip top. And as well as that, give me a follow at Billy Garton Jr. on all platforms. I'll see you guys next week.